ladies and gentlemen. Oh, and our listeners. Oh, I'm, I'm supposed to keep going. I'm sorry, audience. I'm kind of dead brain today. Uh, but we're here to do another heart. Our Arr. final. Well, not our no, final heart, but our, our penultimate. Our penultimate heart. Well, it's our final able to watch this whenever you want at home horror. That's true. Of the Star Wars saga with episode 8, The Last Jedi, starring a cast of people. I was supposed to see where, how many people you were. Directed sorry. by Ryan Johnson. Rain Johnson. And a score by Yanni Williams. Williams? Johnny Williams, yes. And uh, produced by Ron Bergman and uh, Kathleen Kennedy from Lucasfilm slash Disney. Released in... Holy fuck, what was it? 2017? Yeah. 2017. Okay. Cool. As you can tell, this is a a gravy train with biscuit wheels. We're just going to keep on rolling. It might slug along, but hey. Soggy's okay. Soggy's good. So, overall impressions to start. Yeah, let, yeah let's let me start. You start. You start. I'm obviously not able to tell. For a movie that is so... Maligned? I was going to say hated and trashed by most of the interwebs. I wouldn't say most of the interwebs. Much of the interwebs. I would say a, the loudest portion of the interwebs. It is... The loudest 35% you will find. True. Um, it is... A good film. It is definitely not what I would call the strongest in the franchise. No. Um, I, I think it is a middle child movie. And it is apparent. However, if you go into this movie with the belief that this is a middle child movie and it got that level of treatment, that's okay. It, it saves it a little bit. Now, I remember during our last conversation about this, and I really want to harp on this point, is the way this story went, it probably would have been better received had it been episode nine. I, and I, that's where we disagreed, where I said I would have preferred if it was episode seven. I think, I mean, but it, it, it shouldn't be a middle movie. It should be a bookend of one or the other side. Yeah. And... I think because of the way it specifically ends, um, it it really creeds to either, as you said, be the beginning of the story, or in my point, I think it could be a good ending to the story. Because, again, it ends with this true feeling of hope and spark, and right that the story and the saga will continue. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't leave enough open-ended questions for me to go I want to see what happens next to me it leaves a lot of open-ended questions and they're better questions without involving an actual fucking cliff on a cliffhanger right and and we didn't really go into that too much in our horror of Force Awakens Force Awakens because I think both of us were like we don't want to touch this controversial subject I, I will the focus of our horror series and our listeners who have been with us for several years, several years know this. It is remain positive, but allow yourself to be critical. You know, you don't need to go in and bash something and insult the people who did it, because what's the point in that? 
And it really is the lessons learned from the fucking echo chamber internet after this movie came out. Yeah. Was what really, really sparked us. That's what helped us, helped us, um, be more accepting of discovery until it got to a point that we were really enthused about it based off a story. Like we were still critical, but we got to be more enthused when the story got to be more engaging or star Trek in our opinion, in our opinion, you know, um, this, this horror is going to be drastically different than our others. We're still going to try to keep to the good, the bad, and the ugly format, but it's hard to speak of this movie because of its topical nature on and the ever present echo chamber right um to where you can't go on the internet and say something good about the last jedi without having a buttload of people come in insult you for liking it insult the movie insult the filmmaker insult the producer and bring out um horrendous and horrendous adages like they raped my hero, or right. they raped my childhood, which, which is a horrific which, thing to say. And um, I, I know my co-host, the general here, stands firmly by me here. If you use that to Term. describe something, fuck you. Don't listen to the show anymore. Right. Absolutely. I, you are a fucking bozo deluxe. Go jump off a building and save us uh, trouble. So here's with that little. That was, I know that was a little extreme. I apologize. Yeah, no. no, no, it's okay. It's okay. Um, I feel like if anybody who did stop listening at this moment is, like, the one person who we don't give a shit about. Yeah. The rest of you, we actually like you because you're still listening. However, I think we're going to do something. I just made an executive decision. Okay, cool. We're going to do this horror a little differently. Okay, let's do it. Our normal horror series, as everybody knows, is the good, the bad, and the ugly. So we're going to do today's horror as the good... And the things I would have done differently. Okay. We are not going to do any bads. We are not going to do any uglies. You know why? Because there's been so much passing of this movie. It's well documented the things that maybe went wrong. Or the things that people did not like. So we're going to be the beacon of hope. Are we going to be the spark? We're going to be the spark that lights the galaxy. Awesome. I have decreed. You have... The the general has put forth standing marching orders? I have. I have made a general order. Okay. <laughs> Get it? Do we want to... Do we want to have it be more freeform? Or do we want to stick with the things we... The things we think could have been done differently first? Or go with the good first? Or do you want to intermingle? Let's do it the good. Let's do it the good. Okay. Let's go with the good. Let's start with the simple one. Johnny Williams. Johnny Williams continues to deliver on his fantastical abilities. Okay, I'm gonna say this now because this is gonna mingle with the things I might have done differently. I don't have a problem with the majority of Canto Bite. I love John Williams' score for Canto Bite. Right. It's much. It's got that uh, Caribbean feel to it, and it actually has musical homages. To the sci-fi cult classic Terry Gilliam flick, Brazil. Okay. And so there's a lot of good... Like, that just builds rapport with me and my cinephile uh, and film score nerddoms, you know? Right. Um, 
sure. I, and I like some of the messages of Canto Bite. I thought maybe the execution was a little off. Like, I wouldn't have really done the Fathier sequence. Right. I would have maybe changed that to something a little different. I thought it maybe it would have been cooler to have pod races in there. You know, like, it, yeah. something that tied back to past Star Wars films. Well, it, or maybe, maybe I don't know, Tauntaun races? I would have Tauntaun loved races would have been fun. Would have been fucking awesome. However, I, I have to say, I think, the and, and again, this is something you and I have talked about before. I really thought the Cantobite scene, which a lot of people take umbrage with, was a, it was a, a plot to continue the, this, this particular story. But the way they went about it, to me was to try and give an homage to the feeling of the prequel series. Yeah. Because everything to me, cinematically speaking, and shot selection, everything to me felt like this is a view of the Old Republic. Decadence. Right. And, you know, just kind of how that all felt and the ridiculous nature of it and the... Individual and corporate greed, like there was that, yeah. that kind of message. Yeah, it, it very much felt like a, a, a nod to the prequels. And as I said uh, previously, because we've done, we technically have done this hard before. Yes. Um, so you feel free to go back and listen to that. We were much more critical then. Uh, and we had more, we had guests. We had guests, that's right. Um, I felt as though. It just made me appreciate the prequels significantly more after watching this. Yeah. Um, and I do like the the message that there are people who, who profit and benefit from war. Yeah. Maybe it was a little heavy-handed, but I think sometimes in a movie that's in a franchise that's supposed to be geared towards young people. Right. It's okay sometimes to be a little heavy-handed because... Sometimes nuance and subtlety is lost. Now, yeah. I will I will entertain the argument that subtlety and nuance is good because then it provides lessons learned to come later on. You know, later yeah. on to be discovered and not just yeah, bam, absolutely. Here, bam, here you go. Well, one of the things I especially like about the way they did this is right. You, Benicio, no, it's not Benicio del Toro. It's, yes, it is. It is okay, okay, it's right, DJ. Yeah. yeah. Benicio Del Toro's character is obviously a critical role to the way this story plays out. Yeah. Um, but I love the way, you know, as they're on the ship talking about it, right? I think he is a critical piece of Finn's development into the future. Which which audience, there there was character development in this film, despite what people say. Finn's character develops a lot in this movie. Well, Finally. I mean, because you got to think, let's look at big picture here. This movie is a direct continuation to The Force Awakens, which never has happened in a Star Wars movie before. There's always been years, or at least a year, in between the movies. Right. So there's stuff that happens so that you can present a character that's learned their lessons from whatever the previous installment was. Whereas this one, we're talking days. Right. You know. Um, Um, So what I was saying is... You know, DJ, right? He he presents the image of war profiteering and, and all this concept. You know, and the, you, your immediate allegories, oh, these people are, are terrible and they're they're getting rich off of, you know, supplying the bad guys. 
And then you go, well, no, they're not. They're supplying to whoever will pay. Yeah. And which in itself has a you know a negative connotation, but at the end of the day, it's just because they're supplying the first order, they're also supplying the resistance in the new republic. Yeah. Until the new republic is no longer. Was no longer, yes. Yeah. Um Yes, but I also like if we're sticking on DJ, which I think is a good thing, is not not all smugglers or rough characters in the Star Wars universe have a heart of gold. Right. This is not your Han Solo. This is not your Lando who has to do what they have to do to survive, but when push comes to shove, they're gonna you know, they're gonna really do the right thing. You know? Not everybody does what we consider the right thing. And Yeah. Um DJ is a perfect example of a realist. He seeks to serve his own self interest. Right. You know? If it benefits him to help you, sweet, he'll do it. He'll do it. And you know what? He might even feel good about it. But the moment it doesn't benefit him, sorry, I got to think of my own ass. Right. And that is ultimately great lessons for people who are trying to actually look at this movie for more than... I feel like this movie has a lot more substance than people give it credit. That's kind of yeah. where I was going with that. Um, yeah, and I think I think in in terms of Finn's character development, was he still was the guy who who didn't okay he found out he didn't like the first order and didn't want to be there, but he didn't want to join the resistance. No, he didn't want to be a good guy. And then he had compassion and feelings for Ray because he felt there was a similar person trying to escape, or should try to escape whatever their life situation is. Yeah. And then they went through some shared fucking trauma. Right. And what happens when you go with through shared trauma with somebody? It it bonds it, you. Yeah, and it connects you. So what do you want to do? He's he only cares about Ray. Okay, I'm gonna do this because and I'm gonna do these things for the resistance. Not because I want to join you, but because if Ray comes back, she could walk back and get killed. Right. And by the end of the movie and after the lessons learned from DJ and the values learned through a grieving Rose Tico. Right. He learns like, no, no, this is where I belong. And maybe I should and can be the hero that this person thinks I am. Yeah. Or or that my buddy Poe is. Right. You know? And, I mean, there's so... God, there's so much to unpack with Rose. All great. Yeah. She, it's... Her, like, her first, like, talk good, talk fun, you know, talk like that. Yeah. This movie has a lot of awkward humor in it. Oh, my God, does it have so much awkward humor. But I want to say this right now uh, because I, I, I need to have uh, one little critical thing of things I would have done differently. Okay. And this will echo a sentiment that uh, goes back to our prequel reviews. Uh-huh. And uh, I think a little bit into TFA slash Return of the Jedi. Right. This movie would have benefited a little bit more with maybe 10 to 15 seconds trimmed off of a few things. Right. And I'm thinking, like, I like the the uh, the Poe Hux, General Hugs thing. Yeah. But I, it goes on for two to three beats too long. Right. Like, it, it, it could have benefited and retained funny... Uh, by being cut just a little bit shorter. Yeah. You know, not going full Monty Python. Right. You know, like not going, 
and it's not Monty Python, you know. But, but, it, you know but I mean? it is Python-esque. Yeah, it, but it could have benefited from just, like, let's just trim about 15 seconds off of this conversation. Right. You know? Or, you know, I love the Luke Skywalker and milking of the Salah Siren and drinking the green milk. And but, staring at Ray the whole time. Yes. But even that, and Ray's reaction, and the looking at the Salah Siren's reaction, could have benefited from about five seconds trimming all around it. You yeah. know, like, again, and it's a constant criticism I have with the editing, is that, you know, less is more. Right. Less is more. It's funny. I like it. It's well executed. But we could just, you know, just, just, just trim a little could, of that yeah. fat. and. Again, this kind of goes back to some of the things we've talked about in the in the kind of the past is that the need for these movies to be two hours long is unnecessary. Most of these movies would be better at one forty five. Yes. Um, if you forced them to trim it down to a point where what matters stays and anything excessive gets trimmed down. You know, that 15-minute gap, it doesn't sound like a lot when you're talking at two-hour runtime, but that 15 minutes forces them to pace it differently. Yes. And forcing them to focus on what actually matters. Exactly. And, you know, I'm sure your budget will benefit from it, too. Yeah. Um, but let's get back into things, things that were good. And I'm going to go back to... Oh, one last thing. Because uh, this is also a format where we can address a couple of the criticisms. Yes. And uh, people that did not like Benicio Del Toro's stutter, uh, if you're looking at the finger to blame on his stutter, that's Benicio Del Toro. It wasn't written in the script that way. He came up with that, and he thought it would be funny and cool and give it a unique character. And it does. It does. Some people, I don't, some know, people I don't, don't like it. I'm some just, people don't like it, but guess what? It's... It differentiates the it's, character. It's a totally unique character, and it makes you wonder a little more about his backstory, so to speak, right? It gives you a, a question of like, okay, it's not just this kind of greasy guy they meet in a jail. There's yeah. something more there. Yeah, and so I, 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 I do... I don't, I don't have a problem with it, especially... Uh, like nobody, nobody really knows this, but... My mom had uh, a lot of speech troubles when she was young, and stuttering was one of them. And it is a, uh, it is something that people have to work really hard to get over. And it's nice to see it, see stuff like that represented in in the universe. Right. It's the world isn't perfect. Yeah. Um, good and, and here's my thing. Think about all those kids out there who have one, who've now seen a version of of their unique characteristic yeah on film yeah and it's not and, in i mean yeah affable, it's, it's not know. like the greatest guy to see no, no but, but but what i'm saying is dj is kind of a shady character right we get that but he's not an affable idiot he's not somebody who is kind of really a minor character or, or treated as less than you know he is he is for you know, for all intents and purposes, he is a key piece to their success. He is clearly intelligent, yeah, and you know he's he's got a lot of skills. That's a really good 
decision and representation choice. Yeah. Now, again, he, yeah, would I call him a role model? <laughs> no. no. <laughs> but he's not presented in a handicapped fashion. Exactly. Um, okay, another good, I'm going to go into sticking with characters. Yeah. Um, I like Luke in this movie. I like, I like his, uh, character portrayal uh, of PTSD, Mm -hmm. of a person who's made poor choices and has an inability to live with said choices. I like the fact that he fits the typical Jedi mold of making a mistake and going into exile and fleeing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I liked if if people haven't thought about this, he really matches some of the narrative that was put out before the Force Awakens when they talked about Arthurian fables and mythology. Okay, and that. Um, just like King Arthur, you know, you, the, it would take too long for me to go into all the similarities to the yes. story. But as Arthur aged, he became more reclusive. And he made some mistakes by being neglectful. And because of that, the world suffered. And he ended up having to sacrifice himself against, well, it was his incestuous child. But... You know, you have an offspring that's bad, goes bad, and you need to make up for that in some way in order to provide there to be healing. There's a lot of Arthurian um, similarities, which I think fit to the mythological structure. People talk about the violation of Joseph Campbell mythology and the hero of a thousand faces, you know, the, the monomyth. But when you follow it through to beyond once they complete their initial hero's journey, it's not always wine and roses. Now, we all know that I love the old EU legends. Right. I love that storyline. In that, Luke stayed a hero, stayed active, was a part of the New Republic. Um, Whether or not it fit with the story of the message that Lucas was trying to portray, especially post-prequels. Right. Was that Luke should did the right thing and should never have been involved in the New Republic because of what the Jedi's failings were. Right. Especially towards the end of their reign. Absolutely. And that kind of dovetails into the same thing, right? I love I love Luke's character and Mark Hamill's acting in this movie. Wow. Right? Wow. I, I think he did a great job in this movie. Um but I love the critical, gruff nature he presents. And I think how he presents the failure of the Jedi Order. And this is really ultimately the first time in the Star Wars cinematic universe where we see a a very negative view of what the Jedi was. Right? They're not, you know, they were idealized and... and you know, they were the story of some, you know, the, the, the past. And and within so many things, right, it's romanticized. And they even touch on that in this movie. You know, the past is always so romanticized. Hero worship, deified, you know, all right. that sort of thing. And the truth is much darker. Yes. Much darker. 
Um, and I know some people will say, well, I don't want, I don't want this for truth. I want this for escapism, but Star Wars has always been tied to politics, has always been tied to an allegorical telling of valuable lessons. And there's still valuable lessons to be had in there just because, oh, yeah. just because it didn't fit your headcanon or you were too beholden to the Luke character in this idealized state that he should always be the hero and he always needs to be the hero... If you do that, then you take away 30 years of character growth. Right. You, for the very argument that you say that some of the people didn't have character growth, you're trying to rob a character of their evolution. And just because it didn't fit with the way you thought the evolution should go. Which, fine. Story-wise, if you disagree with the Luke character not being a hero because as a story element... I don't have to agree with you, but I can understand that you wanted Luke to always be the hero. Okay. Yeah. I I, I get that, um, but you can't deny the execution. I well, mean, you you can, but I I think you're foolhardy to deny the execution that they presented here. Well, I think the the expectation of people to see Luke as a wholly good person is the huge mistake. That people forget that we are, uh, you know, that a person is complicated. Every single person, no matter how good they are, or in some cases how bad they are, it's never an absolute. It's never simple. It's all complex. And I think, you know, uh, you know, raining on people's parade a little bit by having Luke show that level of complication. And I, I will say. Uh, and I think it gets forgotten. Um, Luke was a hero at the end. He died a hero, and he died um, in keeping with his character at the end of Return of the Jedi, where he throws his lightsaber away and he follows Yoda's lesson that the Jedi uses a force for knowledge and defense, never attack. He doesn't go there to attack his nephew. He doesn't because he knows. Seeking revenge is evil. Right. He knows he's not going to get the forgiveness of the person that he hurt because he may not be um, what's he may not be entitled to right. that forgiveness based off of his perceived crimes, regardless of what his intent and what his follow through yeah. was. Um, so he doesn't even try. He's not there to defend himself. He's there to sacrifice himself, knowing it's going to kill him, so that he can give people. A chance to escape, a chance for there to be hope again, and the knowledge that you can't, you've taught Ray your failures. Right. Um, you, you did what you were supposed to do, and what Yoda commanded that he failed to do with Ben was teach his failures. Yeah. Um, so he dies as a hero, and I know people wanted an epic lightsaber battle, but I'm sorry, Mark Hamill has publicly stated numerous times the thing he hated the most about playing this character was doing the stunt work and doing the lightsaber battles and right. nobody wants a full CGI lightsaber battle because that didn't go over well with the, in the prequels. No. So, and let's be honest here, Luke didn't get taught saber technique. He, that's all a learned skill. 
You know, he wasn't growing up in a Jedi temple with 10,000 Jedi Knights and Masters who were artists with a lightsaber. You know, he had Ben, who taught him a little bit, but Ben wasn't around all that long. And then you had Yoda. Now, Yoda was a, a... was yes a saber master if you will but at that point in yoda's life he he had thrown away his lightsaber vowing never to pick one up again never rebuilt one yep and uh was there trying to teach lessons about connections and feelings yeah and um trust which is why you never see yoda and luke with a saber yeah um so yeah did he pick up some skills out there on his own? Probably. Yes. You know. You know, he dueled with whatever student he had. You know. Yeah. You know, I, I just think that, in, in general, people don't understand what they were trying to accomplish with what Luke was shown. The, the Luke we saw in this <laughs> movie. Yeah, and it's all about ex- expectations and the... the um, yeah. Going into a movie unwilling to um, take the story that it was given to us because you had it already fan-casted, fan-wrote in your brain. Right. It's a natural thing, but it's also... And I'll, I'll grant this. Lucasfilm probably could have done more to discourage that a little bit. You know, you don't... You want to have fan interaction. Yeah. And you want people to be excited. But maybe... Maybe actually they did discourage it because I distinctly remember a good point in the trailers was Luke laying on the ground saying, this is not going to go the way you think it's going to go. Yeah. You know, maybe there was some meta commentary in there and I know... That might have been. You know. I I think, you know, we could go into the issues within marketing, how I would have done their marketing plan a little differently. Um, We already touched on it with Solo. Jesus. Yes. Uh... But let's move on. Staying in the vein of positivity, I fucking love crazy puppet Yoda. Slightly less crazy, but still nutty. Um, (laughs) Skywalker, missed you, I have. (laughs) I liked... (laughs) Books you've read. Page-turners they were not. Oh, no, page-turners they were. Um... I like. I I like the fact that he can call down force light. He can call down lightning to burn the tree. I like him hitting Luke with his staff. Yeah. And when people argue against it, I just have to point out Ben Kenobi sat on a log. Yeah. In Return of the Jedi, interacting with the physical room, he ducks a fucking branch and sits on a log. Right. I. And to think the the stronger your connection grows in the force, especially even being a force ghost, um, your pure fucking force energy able to retain your spirit. I'm sorry if you didn't think they could manipulate the physical world, but that was also in the original script of Return of the Jedi because Yoda and Ben were supposed to come back and fight the Emperor as force ghosts. Right. So, sorry, not sorry. Sorry, not sorry. And, um, but I, yes, and I, just that intera- that whole scene in interaction with the two of them, you know, you have the scene of petulant young Luke again, right? 
charging head on to do something and then gets into this moment of, I don't want to say panic, panic's the wrong word, but second guessing and uh, self-doubt. That's the yeah. word. You know, he gets into this moment of self-doubt. So what does Yoda do? <laughs> Burns it down for him. Yeah, he also knows the books are on the Millennium Falcon with Rey already, too. I mean... Yep, because <gasps> Rey stole the books. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Um, I, I like their, their fun interaction. Um, and for that lesson that we already talked about, you know, you, you, you needed to pass down everything, including your failures. Especially your failures. Because... How else can people learn? You don't learn the most valuable lessons from success alone. No. And and I think that was a huge piece. Uh, again, this movie, I think, is more laden with real valuable messages and lessons than some of the other ones were. I don't want to say all, because that would be too No, I think open. there's a lot of good... I think there's messages, but I think these ones were more... Some of these messages were more adult orientated. Yeah. And they were, I feel, missed, ignored, or unwanted. That's a good word for it. You know, um, as said, that's a, that would be, and I know people might hear this and think it's a gush fest on it, but I think we have shown a couple things here. I have more, but I, I, I feel like. I feel like for people who want nuance and subtlety, this movie was nuance and subtle. Oh yeah. Um, but maybe that's just it. Maybe the maybe the lessons and the messages, meanings, and morals, as a Star Trek podcast likes to call likes to say when they discuss things, were just unwanted. You know, you for as much as you people want something new and original, you get something new and original. It's not what they wanted right you know maybe and maybe maybe that's because also <laughs> there was some of it didn't feel like a star wars movie i was about to say did, did too much star trek creep into their star wars movies <laughs> i think i think there was i think i think this one may have been too cerebral mm-hmm. maybe they did not maybe it was just not desired yeah because you know there were sometimes some things that didn't feel like a star wars movie now when we first did our first horror, when this movie came out, I said it was a Star Wars movie I didn't know I wanted or needed. Mm-hmm. You know, this was the, going into it. This was not the movie I wanted to see. Right. But because just because I didn't want it, didn't mean I couldn't find value in it. And in fact, because I didn't want it or didn't know I wanted it, made me appreciate and like it more. It's Absolutely. Still not, it's still not going to be. It's still not going to dethrone Empire. Right. You know what I mean? Like it's, and for you, I can already say, it's not going to dethrone Rogue One for you. No. You know, but it doesn't mean it doesn't have value. Um, and okay, so kind of sticking with that concept though is it's, it is a cerebral movie, and I think until you said that, I never processed it in that man in that manner. Yeah. And that is something that is. Not really what Star Wars has been in the past. And I do want to say, though, I think they needed it. Mm-hmm. I think for 
Star Wars to conclude in the in a natural progression that they're headed to, they needed to get to a a headier spot. Yeah, to progress the story. Exactly. And I think I think it it massively opens the door for whatever JJ wants to do in Rise of Skywalker. Oh yeah, cuz they really did leave it fucking wide open. They kind of blank slated it where they were just like, and eh, you know all those thing cliffhangers that seemed like they were retreads that were left to bound. Well, fuck your face. Right, yeah, it is. <laughs> It's <laughs> a good way to put it. Um, I'm sorry. I never understood people's fascination and love of Snoke and desire for more Snoke stories. I'm like, to me, Snoke, I'm like, well, let's just redo the Emperor, but not the Emperor. Yeah. When they fucking killed Snoke, I cheered. Yeah. You were with me. I cheered. I was like, yes! Thank you. Thank you for giving... Kylo Ren, more character and depth for doing this. Thank you yeah. for making... like. It wasn't until I liked Kylo Ren for the most part in Force Awakens. Right. The Last Jedi made him almost my favorite character in the new trilogy. Okay. I was like, yes, thank you. Let's see that leap of what... What would have Anakin Skywalker have done instead of fucking helping... Ma- uh, you know, yeah. helping the Emperor... But what if he killed Mace and then he killed the Emperor? You right. know, or what if he found out that that was a lie and he didn't know the secret right then? Right. And he fucking killed him and said, like, "No, I, I will go Sith Lord, but I'm taking over this bitch." Right. You know, what would that have looked like? And you're getting that hypothetical question answered. Oh, absolutely. And they're doing it well. Mm. Um, another <clears throat> thing that I think is, I, I consider it. To be one of the things that people dislike more than they should, the Holdo maneuver. How do you dislike that? Looked the fucking rad. But there's a lot of people like, well, why the fuck are they doing this now? They could have done this a long time ago, and blah blah blah, and different kinds of things, and all this other crap. And I'm like, guys, it's a last ditch effort, and it's this, you know, it's the sacrifice of the final angel, right? It kind of a th- thought process. Um, and I, I'm telling you, man, like it is a beautifully shot piece of cinematography. Granted, it's almost entirely CGI, but the way they did it is fucking spectacular. The silence of the theater. Fuck. And I, I will tell you one of the things I did really have to say was, um, it was a smart piece of, of, of tacticians you know, or mm-hmm. of tactics, but it was one of those things where I, I just I remember sitting in the theater going, "Oh fuck!" <laughs> like just shock. Yeah, and you know, Holdo was not a character that you really felt a lot for. They didn't give her enough of a build up, I think. But even with that small minimal build up, and and not. This great love you you don't really have this great love for the character. Well, it's a it's a one and done. You yeah, know, there's there's certain characters that are. Th- if th- again, this goes to a Star Trek and a almost a TV format thing. Right. We're like, okay, we got our main bridge crew cast. I know they're not killing any one of them because I haven't heard any any disru- any disruptions in right. contract talks. 
But like, hey, I'm going to introduce this character. Yeah, you're going <laughs> to die. <laughs> you go die. Like, hey, random redshirt. Like, hey, dude, I'm, I want to come on the away mission. Don't. Or not even just redshirt. Anybody like, yeah, I'm going no. on this thing. You're like, yeah, you're done. Oh, you're going to die. Um, and I think also a part of that is it's too many people pulling in real world um, factors in that Carrie Fisher had passed away. So we obviously thought like, oh, yeah. you, you started thinking, oh, well, they should have just put her there. How? All CGI, she'd filmed all her scenes. You right. know, you're going to, you know, how has that helped the story? Well, and there's other things, right, that they could have re- re-edited some of it to edit out some of the stuff that they shot with Carrie after um, what I like to lovingly refer to as the Carrie Poppins scene. Yeah. Um, that is a scene I would do differently. I... I don't mind the scene existing. I don't mind her using a force powers to protect herself and to pull herself towards the door. I will quote my lovely girlfriend in that it should have been quicker. Yes. There's there's too much slow motion in a time and she's out in space for too long. If you've seen Rebels, you know, Kanan survived in space on his own. We, we see Jedi Mass, other Jedi in the Clone Wars, survive in the vacuum of space for a period of time. Yes, their physiology may have been different, like Plo yeah. Koon. And for Kanan, it was, it was a quick 13 seconds. Yeah. You know, they did not slow that down, and, but you saw him getting cold. The Leia scene takes too long. It to me it would have been better if it was slower if it was quicker. quicker yeah quicker again just like in some of the comedy areas it would have benefited from trimming some of that fat yeah and I think that might be why I refer to it as the Carrie Poppins because this is a slow gentle return yes after she's just been chilling and floating around um, you know I I do have I love. The lead into that scene, though, with Ren, you know, being sensitive that she's there and he takes his hand off the trigger. And for a second, as the audience, you're like, oh. <laughs> and the fucking TIE fighters blow that shit up. You're like, oh! Yeah, he's not he's not alone. Your hesitation doesn't mean everybody feels the same thing. And, again, you come back to, that's one of the beauties of the of this film is it's it it has a lot more subtext and subtlety than yeah you would expect right because in every other star wars film you wouldn't have seen that happen yeah and i think for some people that might be a a turn off right but to me i think this is it was it added to the complexity of the story yeah yeah and if you had a problem with this scene, I think based off of trailers, you might have a problem with something JJ does, but in the next movie. Uh, Which plethora of things that JJ does, we'll see. Yeah. But the good news is we don't have to wait that long. No. We a few don't. more days. We're, we're down to a matter of few days. Single digit days. Four days. Oh, man. Four days we will be seeing it, and it will be... Glorious. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out... Uh, if I'm going to go Sunday morning to see it my second time or wh- what morning I'm going to go see it. But I'm... All right, go see it again Sunday morning. We're all fucking really busy. So, we we, yes. as be, 
We the busy peoples. We, we some busy peoples. Um, what else do I want to say about this? Um, I mean, we've scratched the surface. Everything that occurred on... I'm blanking on the name. The Salt Planet. Great. Yeah. Was... Well executed. I, I didn't really feel like there was anything that happened on, on the planet that dragged. I, I'll, I'll be critical here. I didn't like those ski speeder things. Oh, the the mono the mono skis. Yeah, I was okay with them finding old decrepit stuff. Yeah. Um, part of me wished it would have been the snow speeders just on the salt planet, but you right. would have had them be because just like anybody who's lived at the beach and had a car and didn't properly take care of the wax job yeah. on it, you know, some rust and all that stuff and some shit doesn't work. I I, I like those things there was elements too visually they looked great especially when the monorail went down and they um kicked up the red dust i did like that that was very uh cinematically gorgeous that whole thing um i do like geologists uh, out there defending the person tasting it going it's salt be like yeah, you know, a lot of times that you could tell something from the texture of a rock, so you put it in your mouth and you taste it. Yeah, right. It's it's not an unheard of scientific thing. It's like okay, cool. Yeah. Cool. Uh, the fact that it gave me Gareth Edwards, the director, one of the directors of Rogue One, standing next to him, going, giving him the weird look, like the fuck did you just put in your mouth? Right. Type thing. Um. But come on, it gave me Kylo Ren just screaming. I want every gun we have to fire on that man. And just more, more. Like, you're like, oh, you were still petulant. It's awesome. Yeah. You, you, you see how out of control he actually is. Yeah. When, when General Hux, the guy I criticized for giving that fucking fascist speech to blow up the Hosnian system, yeah. is the voice of reason and makes the joke like, do you think you got him? <laughs> do you think you got him? <laughs> now okay i got a question for you yeah because i remember two years ago on our initial review you did not like the luke singular shoulder brush scene still don't still don't okay it it's it would have been to me it would have been much better to see him kind of smirk grab his lightsaber and give the, you know, the, the the underhand wave to come at me, bro. Oh, that's that's too matrixy. That's too... Yeah, I would have preferred to see that than the brush off, right? It was just... I would have just preferred to see him standing there with a small smirk. And do nothing. I think I would have liked... All, I could have also liked one of these... One of the things where you just... The smirk and the shrug, like... Oh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> that would have been... Type type things. I mean, I I like it. I I can see people not liking it, and I'm okay if people yeah artistically don't like it. You know. Yeah, I I found that scene to be wonderful, and I the one thing I would have done differently, and it's a small detail that a lot of people missed, is the saber that Luke uses in that battle is the saber that was destroyed. But Kylo was in the passed film. out and didn't see the destruction of it. Well, he didn't see the destruction of it, but 
it's weird, right? Why would Luke's Force Ghost present with that saber and not his green saber? Okay, I have a story. I have a story reason for it. Okay, Was let's that hear it. After Luke's failure with Ben and him having his green lightsaber there, his hero lightsaber, right? he didn't feel like a hero anymore. And so he vowed, and it's in the novelization, to never pick that saber up again. Okay. He still had it. It's on Octu, but he was never... Well, according to novelization, it was on Octu. But he wasn't going to use that. And that's the saber that you contemplated killing your nephew with, that your nephew saw you have. Right. It's not going to go well as a distraction, in my opinion, if you present out there with a green saber. That's just going to enrage Kylo more. And maybe... He orders everybody to blow up the base instead of going in there right. and firing on them when you're trying to draw him out. And we know Ben wants that blue saber. Right. Um, but he doesn't know that. Luke doesn't know that that's what he wants. Well, we, we also don't know how much... Well, there is a point in on Octu where she they, they cut away, but she's filling him in on everything that's happened and why she's there. Right. And why Leia sent him. So I, I have to assume she told him that Kylo and them fought over it. Possibly. But uh, I, okay, I could also understand if people say, you're reaching. Yeah. I, I get it. But I, that's why I gave you plausibly. So uh, we're almost approaching the end of our time when we need to break down our rankings. Our rankings. I'm going to say one thing I wish they would have done differently. Okay. Not kill Tally. The Why? A-wing pilot. Why? A, you you don't get that many blonde females in Star Wars. Everybody seems to be a brunette. True. B, she had that classic aviator feel with the scarf. Like right. I, I liked her. I wanted to know more about her character, and I wish she would have been one of the people to survive, because I felt that maybe she could have been a nice addition going forward. Okay. But that, that that's just me. Yeah, I get it. You get it? Yeah. You got it? Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything significantly I would do differently. Kept Akbar alive? Nah. Um, the truth is, is, I think... I know people didn't like Poe saying he didn't have a character arc in this movie, even though he does. Uh, he absolutely does. Um, he goes from... And I think that's really obvious, too, right? Because he goes from... The gun, you know, the gun wielding, let's go kill everything guy. Hot shot, brash, maverick, from the beginning of the movie to the guy holding, you know, thinking critically and holding Poe back, and holding Finn back. Excuse me, thank you, holding Finn back to him being like, everybody follow me, and you know, everybody looks at Leia. She's like, what are you looking at me for? And it's not follow me into battle. It's follow me away from this shit. Yeah. Um, you know, and she gets that smirk of finally. Yeah, maybe it. Maybe I. I don't know. I don't want to put words in their mouth. Maybe they didn't like it because it was Holdo smacking him down the whole time. But you know, he he, he made some piss poor decisions. Some. Yeah. You know, he he's had, a fucking mutineer. He had the, he had the success of Starkiller Base, sort of. He was bailed out of Starkiller Base. Yeah. And he needed to learn a hard lesson about leadership. Yes. And about earning the trust of your subordinates. Right. Especially if you're going to be the future leader. Absolutely. So. And 
you know, I think I think we're gonna see a nice a nice different character in the next one, possibly. It it would be nice to see him become the leader that they've put him on the arc to be. Yeah. Even though technically speaking, the original drafts he was supposed to die in the first the first act. Yeah. You know, so yeah. I think it's yeah. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Let's go to our rankings, sir. You first. I always go first. All right. It's going to be a little weird. Yeah. So it's like going to be Empire, New Hope, a tie for three with Last Jedi and Revenge of the Sith. The one that slots into number three is what? which one am I watching right now? Got it. Um, and then we go Return of the Jedi, Rogue One, Force Awakens, no, Solo, Force Awakens, right? Was that what I have? Whatever. Solo, I wrote it down so I could avoid this drama. Yeah, Solo or Force Awakens, and then Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones. Okay. It never ceases to amaze me how much we both just bottom out Attack of the Clones. Well, okay. I saw, it's, it was a joke. I saw a, a person write out, like, the numerical values and says, We love all Star Wars films, Attack of the Clones. Right. Um, I know a lot of people who put Phantom Menace below Attack of the Clones, and I, I I get it. There's a lot of redeeming qualities of Attack of the Clones. I just think Force Awakens is a better movie. I mean, much better. Phantom Menace is a better movie start to finish, even though it may have a character that most people hate. Which, uh, if you're up to date on The Mandalorian, comes up. A Gungan comes up. Not Charger, but Gungans do come up. Yes, but if you think Gungan, you think Jar Jar. I think Boss Nass. Well, fuck you. you, you <laughs> yeah, not. okay. You lying sack of shit. Okay. Your list, please. Uh, Unchanged Rogue One is my top. Yep. Empire. Yep. Episode 3. Revenge of the Sith, okay. Yep. The Last Jedi. Okay. The Force Awakens. Return of the Jedi. A New Hope. Solo. Phantom Menace. Attack of the Attack Clones. Of the clones. Okay. Cool. I, I, I'm going to say this. Uh, I'm going to preempt this. It's going to be hard after a singular watch to place Rise of Skywalker into the list. I think Star Wars, much like Star Trek, to people's lament, benefits from multiple viewings. So and that, space in between. Yeah, and marination on it, you know. That's why I like going to see the, see the movie Thursday night and then waiting a couple days to go yeah. see it to give it time to really digest. Yeah. So that's, that is the penultimate car for 2019. We will have one more, even though it'll be an early har, it'll be a yes. nonetheless. So, uh, I've been Bird. I've been the General, and thanks for stopping by.